Hello, any trenders. It is I, James, your benevolent overlord, and I've taken over the podcast for today. Joining me is uh, Mehdi. Hi. And Gracie. Hello, everyone. And that's a slightly more energetic introduction or greeting, so I'll applaud you for that. Yay. <laughs> Excellent. All right. I started off all energetic, but we're here for a very serious reason tonight. Today, uh, the clandestine location, time and date unknown. We're going to be talking about Rent-A-Girlfriend. Uh, this is a show that we all have opinions on. We've all watched it. I finished watching it today. Uh, but it's time for the anime review. You can tell that it's the end of the season because we're reviewing shows. So what would a show be without a synopsis? Or what would a review be without a synopsis? Gracie, can you give us a real quick summary of Rent-A-Girlfriend? Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, Rent-A-Girlfriend is about a college student named Kazuya who recently, unfortunately, got dumped by his lovely girlfriend, Mommy. And due to essentially dealing with heartbreak, as well as just overall first time bad breakup sort of thing because that was that's his first relationship um he ended up going on a uh renting girlfriend dating uh app and dated or rented out a girl named chizuru as his girlfriend for a day um some chaos sort of occurs when his family gets involved and believes chizuru might be his real girlfriend and the story just snowballs from there yeah, it's a story about lies and keeping up a lie. <laughs> you know, always a great start to a relationship, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, the thing that is supposedly built on trust. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to be talking about mostly five aspects of it. Uh, plot, character, soundtrack, voice acting, and then arts and graphics. But real quick, before we get into that, I just want to hear one sentence, one word. What are your thoughts about Rent-A-Girlfriend? I might leave it at that sigh in the interest of time. Cool. Um, I there. think the concept could have been interesting, but essentially nothing ended up working for me. So <laughs> I have a glass of wine here tonight, which should, should tell you everything that you need to know about how I think about this. <laughs> anyway, so. With that said, uh, this is all spoilery. Like, we're talking about the show on the assumption that you've watched it. Like, we'll, we'll try to be kind of vague, so if you're listening to this episode to determine whether or not you should watch the show, like, yeah. But there's going to be... We can't describe our feelings about this show in pure hand-wavy gestures, especially since it's a podcast and you can't see us waving our hands. So with that, why don't we just jump right into the plot? And I think that's where a lot of our issues come with. I think a lot of us have problems with the writing. Yeah. Um, I mean, hard I mean, to go into detail. It all ties how... into itself, but. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, like you said, going to be hard to go over this without getting pretty detailed and using wordy language. Um <laughs> Well, it feels like I actually finally started talking this episode. I've been like intentionally really quiet and reserved. Um, a lot to say about the show. The plot. We had our synopsis. Now, it 
I, w- I would say, you know, the main idea and strength is that situational comedy. Yeah, it is. It is supposed it's... to be a romantic comedy. This show, right? Oh yeah. It, I mean, it's supposed to be. We asked yeah. with a question mark. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely I mean, marketed as a romantic comedy rom. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and and you can feel parts in the story where it's like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I, I I think I know where I'm supposed to laugh. I can't remember where I did laugh that often. I. Th- yeah, that, that's, I think, the biggest flaw is, is the fact that it's this romantic comedy, the situational comedy, and we have to, all three of us kind of have to struggle to figure out where we actually found it funny. Most I, I remember the first couple episodes were were just a slog. I wanted to stop watching. I had to pause, like, every 15 seconds to, 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 to allow myself to process <laughs> all the cringe before I continued. I think that's the issue, though, is because... I think what the anime is trying to do is the cringe moments are supposed to be the moments that yeah. make you laugh, but they're so cringy that you can't. Because certainly cringe moments can make you laugh, but when they go overboard to the point that you feel nothing but cringe, it no longer becomes funny anymore. I think I yeah. said this after episode one, maybe two. I know James can verify this and quote me i remember this i said like there's cringe humor and then there's just cringe and i mean i I like quite a range of humor including really lowbrow or cringe humor but a lot with this one just didn't didn't hit the right notes for me um can you give an example maddie of good cringe humor like the kind of cringe that you would laugh at it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That, that's, I was well, thinking okay. it's an anime, but... <laughs> people, people often compare Konosuba to Always Sunny, and I think mm. Konosuba is surprisingly comparable to Rent-A-Girlfriend in many ways, actually. Not that I want to go into that. But to give a more personal example, I'm a huge fan of Osomatsu-san, mm-hmm. which is literally... It's kind of like if you had six Kazuyas as your main characters, except they're like even more pathetic and degenerate. But they really commit to it and sell it, and it's comedic. Mm-hmm. I think I think the reason why it we we find things like Osamatsu-san funny and we didn't find Renter Girlfriend funny is we we have fundamentally similar characters, like you just explained. But for Osamatsu-san, we look at them, and the show tells us these are people you exactly. are supposed to laugh at. Yeah. You're supposed to mock them. Whereas Rent-A-Girlfriend gives you Kazuya and goes, this is your protagonist. You're going to root for him, right? You're going to support him? <laughs> it's like, no, I hate this person. Well, it's just so interesting. Like, even if, we, if we're talking about the plot or the story, um, I, I will say right up front, a lot of people that love Rent-A-Girlfriend or at least enjoy it say, I can't stand the main character. Oh, the main character sucks, though. But, and then, you know, explain why yeah. they like it. And, and that's great. I'm glad people are able to enjoy it. As far as I'm concerned, though, the story, you know, the, the writing, like everything that is this anime is Kazuya. It's about him and mostly from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So if I don't enjoy or appreciate him, I'm kind of just, you know, there, there's no other things to enjoy. And, and again, it's that it, it's not mean spirited and like making fun of him or being hard on him, like something like Konosuba or Osamatsu would be. But it, it's, it expects me to take him seriously and root for him, like you said, and I 
just cannot. And then my frustration only grows when the narrative and even the other characters in the show, like, kind of validate him or sympathize with him. And I'm like, why? I just don't believe it. Yeah, none of the characters really felt believable. Sorry, Gracie, I cut you off. Oh, so I was going to ask, because I don't watch uh, Osamatsu-san, so um, I wanted to inquire further on this matter. So um, Season three, baby. (laughs) Um, so basically um i know you said that they're kind of similar and you know and osamatsu sound does cringe humor correctly but that one's also focused on like those characters that you just said you know are not meant to be likable so what so what made the big difference between these two well some of the differences are that there's six of them each with like very specific traits exaggerated so they are you know, just absolute comedy. Not not that this podcast needs to be a whole expose no Samatsu-san. I'll probably do that with the seasonal impressions next time. <laughs> um, but that's one aspect. But then the big difference, like James was saying, is just that they are the butt of the joke and they are played for laughs. Mm-hmm. Like, they are, you know, pathetic and you just keep watching them eat shit. <laughs> it's entertaining. Um, probably not supposed to say that. <laughs> That's fine. You know, you know what's interesting? I'm thinking about Osamatsu-san right now because you brought it up. And I'm remembering, I think it's the second half of episode f- like 10 or something, Chushimatsu gets a girlfriend. Oh yeah. Where yeah, yeah. they just they they stop be it stops being a comedy and it becomes this really intense like romantic drama and they nail that. Like I remember watching you. that in a group with people and there were people in that group crying when that was happening and for 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 osamatsu's on this slapstick gag comedy to be able to pull off romance and drama better than i think ren's a girlfriend uh in 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 like 11 minutes no less compared to 12 whole episodes yeah and and to be fair rent a girlfriend like it goes back and forth between the comedy and the serious moments both of which i kind of have different problems with but yeah i I do want to put the osamatsu's on top you know, tangent to bed before we get too yeah, carried away. <laughs> but I have to mention the fact that there was literally an episode in season one about rental girlfriends. And I rewatched it recently because I just got curious. And I was like, yeah, in a lot of ways, this feels like they are parodying rental girlfriend or Kazuya. And I'm enjoying it because it's being played for laughs and like has that right tone. So I think yeah. basically the, or at least from what it sounds like to me is that the story, uh, the story building, the atmosphere in Osamatsu-san is more successful than how the atmosphere is built up for Renter Girlfriend. Does that sound about accurate? Well, I, I might have yeah. a tone problem with Renter Girlfriend in that, like, some people enjoy it as a comedy. Some people might enjoy the story seriously, but I don't think it commits to doing either one very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing is when it's trying to be funny, it's not funny enough. And when it's trying to be serious, I can't take it seriously. Oh, you know what? That's that's so accurate because it's exactly that. Like, I don't the only time I actually laughed was when the grandma was interrogating him in like the first episode, just because it was so unexpected. And I didn't expect like, mm-hmm. an older character to be portrayed as that. So that did make me laugh. But after that, I just didn't laugh anymore because I felt like the jokes were sort of getting overdone like they're using the same type of jokes and then um which yeah. gets old very quickly and then on top of that the serious moments are just so over dramatic that i can't take it seriously yeah i think i'm with you I think, there, yeah yeah i think my only my only uh my only 
time that I laughed was towards the end. And it was, it was like a bit character and it's with Kibe showing up at the karaoke place and you just, his tone of voice of like, ha, my friend works here. Time to make his life miserable because that's what friends do. Uh, <laughs> I, I and love so, Kibe. Like... Kibe's great. Speaking, so that seems like a great way to transition into the, uh, into the character part of this, because I think all of us can agree that the side characters are the ones we like the most. Yeah. Uh oh. I made it. I jumped to conclusions. All right, Gracie, prove me wrong. I I know. I get why people like Kibe, but there's a particular scene that maybe just not care about them in the end. Well, I I think I know what you're referring to. I don't. Which is a bigger issue we have. Okay, well, my guess, based on the issue that I have with a lot of the characters and the narrative, again, even if you ignore, you can't ignore Kazuya because everything is about him and every character exists because of their relationship to him. And Kiba has like this whole monologue just explaining to Chizuru why Kazuya is oh, just yeah. such a great guy. Yeah. Trademark. <laughs> and it's like, he's got good okay. intentions. Yeah, for... it's like, yeah. all right. But what, what is like special about him? All you've point is just that like he's not even optimistic like with his backstory from school i'm like that's cool i can root for that but that's it it's all about like how he is innately nothing about what he's done or you know how How he's he's improved and and that's the thing with the whole show is that the development is just not there Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's the oh go for it gracie oh and i think the biggest thing another big thing about kibe is kibe is the straight man to uh kazuya's goofiness which is fine um tropes exist for a reason they exist because people like them and that they are successful in writing and getting emotional reactions from people so i'm not against tropes on their own but when they become so boxed in in a single description and they're not doing it on purpose as parody, or um, they're not adding in any sort of complexity to make them a little more human that's outside of this box, then it becomes a big problem. And in that sense, they become boring. And that's unfortunately a lot of the characters as a whole in this anime. Yeah, it's really not a lot of depth. It's really easy for me to be like, oh, I love Kibi, but that's because he just barely appears and yeah he doesn't such brief it's just like us. oh he's the cool friend mm-hmm. that's it that's why i like him like that's and you know he's a straight man who sometimes talks sense into kazuya but he's not there like nearly in- enough as a presence like yeah it's this inverse screen time relationship i see like the more we see them in the show yeah. the less we like them girlfriend was supposed to be a horrible show about horrible people but yeah it's not and yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Because This is probably a good time for me to say that probably my favorite character that kept me somewhat interested in the show was Mommy. And I'm not just saying that because, oh, I hate the show and I want to piss people off that like it. I just actually thought she was more complex and more realistic and more interesting than, like, anyone else. That definitely comes into play later, like, towards the end of the first season. Yeah, well, she finally comes say, back. <laughs> yeah, we get to say the first season, because season two's been announced. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm not watching yeah. it. <laughs> You're not watching it? This no, coming from, this coming from our staff member who says that she watches, what, every, like, 17 series a season? 
you're not going to watch season two of Rent a Girlfriend. You've put so much time and energy into it already. I think I've put enough Look. time and energy, and it's let me down too many times for me to put more time and energy. We, we have already made, like, I don't know, 100 enemies and counting as this podcast goes on. And we don't uh, need to further that with another season. It's just unnecessary masochism. Yes. Which is why I will be watching season two. <laughs> James, you are going to be the only one on the next podcast episode that talks about season two. That's like, fine. Ben and I are gone. So. Like, for me, this show was much more of like a wake up, like a, like a slap in the face kind of recalling memories. Because I had read some of the manga before the show came out. And I had to stop reading because I'm like, oh, I can't handle this. It's too cringe. I can't do it. And then I signed up to watch it, uh, completely not learning my lesson from the manga. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we haven't addressed for punishment. Like the very interesting fact that here we are sitting and recording this podcast. Like we did this by choice. And yeah, sure, you can, you, you can say that. Too. I mean, Rent a Girlfriend is quite popular, so it's a good topic to discuss. But it's also like there are shows that we just have, have well. There's shows that have no, <laughs> no. So there's bad shows. I say that in quotes that don't really have anything going for them, even if they don't have like anything like totally against them. And so it's like, it's boring. No one wants to talk about it. Move on with your day, whatever. Rent a girlfriend's the kind that's like, okay, yeah, I, I see a lot of the potential and I see some of the good sides, but it has so many glaring like problems, at least for me, that I can't not talk about it and just lay into it. Yeah, it's no, like looking at a beautiful supercar and then seeing smoke coming out from under the hood. It's like, yeah, it looks great, except for that. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> now it's on fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to say, though, I agree with you, Mehdi. I actually also liked Mommy best as a character, um, which I find so interesting on like how quickly people automatically hated on her before she's even really shown much of herself in the first place. Yeah, and people yeah. were mad at her at episode one. Yeah, and like she was in the first few episodes and then she was gone and then she comes back in like the last few episodes. And here's the interesting thing. Despite the fact that she's actually not present in most of the episodes, I always read the comments. I know you can, you guys can shame me for reading the comments, but I do like reading the comments. And... Every single week, there are people basically starting a hate train for Mommy, despite the fact that she has no relevance. To... <laughs> yeah, not even in the episode, but yeah. people are still complaining about her. Exactly. And it's just like, and I can take it two ways. One, um, clearly she's a character that made an impact more than any of the other characters out there, whether good or bad. And so what does that say about the story? And then um, two... Um, just the fact that her character can um, that her character can elicit such information or such emotions despite not really being too prevalent in the final like in like the first season as a whole. And so yeah, it's it's kind of funny that you can just show a picture and then people will immediately begin frothing at the mouth. Like <laughs> that is that shows you've written something impactful, whether or not it's something people enjoy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what I also found interesting is that a lot of people hated on her because after she dumped uh, Kazuya, it's clear that she's very jealous, that Kazuya seems to have this uh, beautiful new girlfriend like within days after, uh, or weeks, I forgot how long it was, but um, after they had, after she had dumped him and stuff, and she was essentially sort of like seducing him, trying to get him back, but not really. 
And the thing is, as upsetting as it is, that is actually a very real thing that happens, guy or girl. There are people who are doing the dumping, the breaking up, and then they see their ex quickly get together with someone else, and they're the ones who are upset that they quickly got together with someone else. Like, that is a very real thing that happens. And so the fact that people yeah. were hating on it was always very uh, surprising to me because I'm like, I feel... I'm like, that's actually realistic. Like, that's not unreasonable for her to act that way when there are quite a bit people out there who does act that way. So, um, I mean, it may be realistic, but it's still kind of scummy. Yes, well, that, I agree. Uh, that's the thing is realistic is good. I would argue it's good character writing because mm -hmm. you want characters to feel human and relatable. And mommy's not a very great person. Like, she certainly has flaws and negative traits, but... Mm -hmm. Those traits, I guess, are pretty interesting and relatable. And you also wonder, like, how she got there or why she was with Kazuya in the first place. And it's kind of hinted at a little near the end. Um, in a similar vein, I think it's important for me to say that I think Kazuya himself is actually pretty realistic and even relatable. Especially if I look back at some people I've known or even my own past and just mm -hmm. some really dark or low places. And it's like, <laughs> I get him for the most part. But in a way, yeah, that's no. what's so frustrating is that, like, it's not like, oh, I don't believe him, I don't like him. It's just that the story and the characters all treat him, they they respond to him as if he's way better than he is. Yeah, it's, it honestly, I don't, uh, it's, it's honestly kind of, it feels like a very self-inserty kind of thing where it's, oh, I yeah. do this, that, and the other thing, and people not necessarily recognizing that these are all red flags. And then... Yeah. And then the show validates it. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you know, it, it kind of sends the message. And this is this is tangenting a little bit. But it, the, the show in general kind of sends the message that you can kind of be this. You, you can even if you're if you have good intentions. Uh, <laughs> I can't even like hear the air quotes. On uh, people, <laughs> people will people will reward like you'll be rewarded for it. It doesn't matter that you that you don't, you know, actually succeed or if you, you know, it, 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 people need a dose of reality and Kazuya needs a dose of reality and he's not getting it. And that's what frustrates me yeah. is because they, he, I think the thing that drives me up the wall with him is he is aware he has problems. He's like, I have this, like he recognizes and he, he does this a number of times throughout the show is he's like, these are my problems you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I, I am aware that that makes me not a good person. But then he doesn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't try to change himself in any way. There's no, there's no, there's no character development for the main character. Yeah. In a sad way, I, I get that. Even though, like, being aware and not changing it, because that's hard, doesn't happen overnight. And I could probably even live with that. If someone, like Shizuru, for example, just called him out on it and like true like kibe kind of did this early on it never happened again but someone just yeah. called him on his crap and like led him to improve or actually like had like there was conflict or negative repercussions for him not improving but instead kazuya just remains kazuya the whole time and goes to such lengths as like literally stalking chizuru with her friend that he thought was her boyfriend or this and that and she just kind of, like, lets that go, like, yeah, whatever. And 
Yeah. You know, starts the fact to that develop. He followed her around for a whole day doesn't shake yeah. her in the least. It's and like, then she whoa, starts whoa, to develop whoa. feelings for him at the end. And I don't get why, other than like Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> exposure. It's just they spent enough time together. That's that, that. that's becoming my theory because that's the yeah. only plausible explanation I come up with for why she would grow fond of him. It's just I don't see it. He has basically no positive traits, and any try any time he tries to do anything, he doesn't succeed. Well, I wouldn't say he doesn't have positive traits. It's yeah, more I would like say that his either. Positive traits are sort of the bare minimum of what you'd expect yeah. from someone. So does that make them even positive? Them, if everybody is supposed to have them, isn't that is is meeting well, the bar a good thing? That's like saying somebody is not a serial killer. It's I like, mean, that's, all right, yeah, cool. Okay, well, that's but... exactly what it is. But that's kind of what comes down to. You know, we're getting into a bit of a broader social commentary here, but I think I, just the whole yeah, carry it, on. It's hard. It's hard to draw the line and explain for sure. But I think. Um, but I mean, you guys have already said it, but I just want to reiterate my biggest problem with Kazuya through this whole thing is really just that he's really the same from the beginning to the end. Like there really is no difference. And I am always okay with a main character starting off really unlikable because if a main character starts off really unlikable, that means there's a lot of room to grow. And so, and I love character development. I've always, um, I've always gravitated uh, towards um, anime and just stories as a whole more that has like that focuses heavier on character development than plot twists, you know, um, and um, you know unexpected situations and stuff like that. Which they're still enjoyable for sure, but it's just emotionally I get more invested when it's character development is the real focus. And so, um, and so Kazuya starting off really cringy and just someone that you're sh shaking your heads at or, you know, maybe getting flashbacks from your teenager years, um, that's fine. As long as he's grown even just a little at the end. And I can't, I can compare him in the last episode and the first episode. I'm like, did we go anywhere? Like, we didn't. And so... The object of, a f the object of his affection changed and that's kind of it. Yes, exactly. And so yeah. if nothing else has changed, in my opinion, I'm like, that's just 12 episodes completely wasted. Like, nothing has happened. And uh, as Medi already pointed out, he's the central figure. So that's a big problem right there. <laughs> yeah, like, on, on this conversation... You know, it kind of ends up being like, oh, Chizuru changed, but I, th th she wasn't very well explored or that interesting to begin with. I see a lot of people just adore her, you know, and say like, oh, best girl of the year. Like, man, she saves the show from horrible Kazuya. But like all these reasons are just things that are kind of, that they are shown, but also very much told over and over again in universes. I like, oh, she's this goddess, you know, she's the nicest, prettiest girl and all that. And like, she's perfect in a really boring way in my eyes and all that she does like all, all that changes with her is she just gets starts to like Kazuya and again I don't see why because he hasn't really changed and I don't get why she's so <laughs> like I, I think it would have been more interesting to explore her reasoning for the whole rental girlfriend thing and like how that makes her feel with people other than Kazuya yeah. Because there gets to be this weird, like, creepy sense of, like, ownership he gets. <laughs> yeah. Like, in the episode where he's stalking her, he, like, literally has this fantasy where he's, like, the champion for other guys that like her, you know, be like, Oh, God. Oh, save her for us yeah, or something. I forgot it's about like, that. 
that, that was just really creepy. I have to call it we'll out. We'll talk about that later because that's and, a huge like societal yeah. issue. But the other thing, I swear I had something else I was going with here. Um, Take your time. Ah, shoot. <laughs> that's fine. I want to talk about how much I like Ruka because I know Gracie doesn't like her at oh, all. Oh, God, I hate her. I like her because when she was introduced, it was refreshing. It was like, all right, here's oh, okay. this new girl. She knows what she wants. And she's going to go for it. Trample on a bunch of other people to do so. But you know what? I'll take anything. At I'm going to interject right here. You know, it was refreshing. Like she kind of detracted from the main story kind of going on. I don't get why she mattered in the end. Oh, she basically doesn't. Like on that note, Sumi was in there for literally one episode. And that's the thing. It's like <laughs> Shizuru yeah. is the whole focus um, mommy, I think, is actually interesting, and, you know, she's technically the catalyst by being the one who dumps Kazuya, and then ends up, you know, being an active force in the end that actually, well, she causes quite a few of, like, the conflicts in the show. She Where, does. She's kind of, she's a pseudo-antagonist, I feel like. Yeah, Ruka and Sumi are there, and I really think they're just there for the sake of making it like a harem anime and it's like yeah that's that's it they're all there that, so and, that to me that just their best girl it doubles down on like the lowbrow appeal without committing to like really good lowbrow humor it's just kind of like shallow and lazy in a way and it's like if you want to tell a compelling story with this premise then you, i don't think you need those two characters probably gonna you, be crucified really because i i said i like mommy and i've literally just said i don't like chizuru and that i don't want the other two to exist <laughs> so they're but, you know what they're doing with <clears throat> those girls they're checking the boxes for a girl yeah. that everyone can't like no matter what you can find a girl you'll like because kazuya is a self-insert character like in ultimate games and those other dating sim games He's meant yeah. to reflect and be relatable to a time when you were very awkward and you didn't know how to communicate with girls. And here are your choices. Which ones do you like? You have the sweet, shy one that needs protection. You have the gun-ho one who will always love you and chase after you. You have the perfect princess one who's elegant um, but has, like, you know, a harsh side that comes out at times. And then... You have the sketchy one who you just really want to get to know what's going on, what's her deal. Like, they're just here to fill boxes in so that no matter what, as a guy watching this show, you have a girl you can like and lust after. Yeah, yeah there's a bunch of stuff in the show that's like, why is it like this? And kind of the easy ex ex easiest explanation is because the other shows like it do it. So it's like, why are why are there more care Why are Ruka and Sumi even there? And it's because other romantic comedy, manga, and stories and anime have a bunch of girls in them mm -hmm. you know yeah i think there was a question that medi had earlier which is like why is it the one why is chizuru the one that has to give mouth to mouth to kazuya and i think my response was because oh. if it was the <laughs> other way around it would be weird and questionable <laughs> no it's I, like I, half half the time stuff happens and it's why is this happening uh because it, all the other stories like it do something similar and that was I mean, like another issue that i have with like the writing as a whole because th that ends up getting a lot of coincidences forced in and so it's just like you just happen to be here you just happen to do this and happen to do that and la 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 and so and they all and the puzzle pieces just all magically match together in this plot with no real explanation as how they got there so <laughs> a lot of it was also like obnoxiously predictable for how long they dragged out reveals as in ruka being a rental and like chris just a that's his name, right? 
Well, that's just good. <laughs> Chris? Kuri like, Bayashi? Oh, he called him Kuri, and I assumed it was short for Chris for some reason. Oh, my um, God. We're going to call him Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Our apologies to all the Chris's out there listening. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, I mean, it was obvious that, like, okay, so Ruka's a rental, and she probably knows she's doing all that. And then I guess I didn't expect the whole thing of, I love Kazuya because... He makes my heart go doki doki. Yeah. yeah, she had, like, some backstory that was glossed over. I will admit, like, I kind of like that ending sequence. In, yeah, it of, was neat. But everything it was, else... It was neat. Uh, for people that skip ending themes, they would have completely missed all of that. Oh, yeah. they would have, yeah. <laughs> that said, I really have to hold that thought because I need to get back onto what I was saying was just the predictability of that whole story... Blah. Um, I want to go back to the the drowning, you know, the boat scene, like you were talking about, yeah. which seemed really Boats. contrived. It's That situation was interesting. I mean, the point I, I will give, you know, it's like, okay, they want to show that despite what Kazuya thinks, he already cares way more about Shizuru than Mami. And, like, they're going to show that when he's, like, on the phone with Mami and she's, you know, inviting him over for, ooh, who knows that he sees yeah. Chizuru in trouble and he just drops everything for her. Yeah, the it, problem, it's very much the, like, pick one of two girls and it's like, yeah. oh, I pick this one. And, and, and that, that's fine, you know, that's... It's nothing phenomenal, it's a little... But it... That's not the point here. It's how melodramatic it is that Chizuru literally falls off a boat and that I have no issues with Kazuya's, you know, choice of the girls there, but just the fact that he is able to and confident enough to immediately drop and dive in after her when we just don't know him to be that courageous or even you know athletic and then that and it's like okay so i guess he was able to swim down and grab her and then start swimming back but then they get on land and he's unconscious and she's conscious and that makes no sense to me like at what point did she wake up and start swimming and carrying him and like you said it's like oh because she has to be the one to resuscitate him because that and, makes it romantic as opposed to, like, borderline yeah. crime. Which, again, that happened. And then all they focus on, like, in-universe, and they comment to Kazuya, it's like, wow, he's such a nice guy. She's not even his girlfriend, but he still saved her life. And again, I'm just thinking of the bare minimum thing. I'm like, is he supposed to not care and let her drown? Just because she's stare, not watch her drown as he stands Maddie, on the boat? Why is that? You're... you're lines are wrong you're supposed to just watch her drown okay watch her drown (laughs) yeah oh my god then the dramatic the dramatic minor strings come in and it zooms in and half shadows over the eyes and then it just cuts to black and gives you just a plain well see i I wish the the ost was that you know fitting in those kinds of scenes because when she did fall off the boat Played a really weird track, and that's just didn't one example it, of many. Didn't it just start the friggin' opening riff of the opening theme? Like no, it, it sounded tr- no, no, no. It, it was something. It's this. It talk- I don't know how to describe it, but like while we're talking about this, we, we got to give a shout out to Replay Value oh, YouTube yeah? channel. Yeah, great content because he analyzed the interesting and inconsistent sound design in this show. I happen oh, yeah. not to like a lot of the tracks in the soundtrack which is kind of one thing but they are used so interestingly like well that's really, really nice i would just say they're used poorly 
<laughs> yeah, and that might have to do. That might be a big influence in why like the comedy doesn't stick with me, and the serious moments don't stick with me either. It's that like there's just distracting, awkward music in a lot of scenes. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I if you haven't watched the video, I really recommend it. Uh, just go onto YouTube, find replay value, and just what it I'd should so be able to link it in the description of this podcast on yeah. whatever platform. Um, but I will warn you, like after this happened to all of us, like after you seen that and had some of the sound direction pointed out to you it's like a glass shattering effect and every time you watch after watch yeah you cannot that is you, yeah you can't not notice at all oh yeah, yeah no it's impossible that's the only it like after i watched that video i blamed Medi because when i watched the next episode it was like the music had like a horn in my ear <laughs> and i'm like now this is all i can hear i can't hear anything else now, I love when the opposite happens with an anime I like and a soundtrack I love that like, I've been listening to for a while or someone pointed out something and I'm like, oh, this is so great. Or I even had this yeah. happen when like, I watched an anime I realized had a composer that I know from another work and I'm like, oh, I hear their work in this and I can't stop hearing it. That's awesome. This was not yeah. the case. Yeah. I mean, which, which sucks because, and I know uh, I, our polls used to do like, say, soundtrack for a while and included OPs and EDs. I really like the opening and ending themes to this show. I like the Peggy's. I like Halka. I think they're both really good. I think it's kind of funny that I think in episode 11 or 12 or something, they throw in the reference to the to the artists that do the uh, opening and ending themes. In oh, the yeah, yeah. Scene. I really like that. I think it's really funny. Not yeah, a lot of cute. shows do it, and I think more of them... I think it should happen more often. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a shame because these good songs are attached to this bad anime. You said it. Did, did you have any specific thoughts on the OP and ED, Gracie? Because I will... I have thoughts. Um, I... I, I didn't really care for any of them. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say I disliked them, but I definitely didn't think I liked them. They just sound like normal openings and ending theme songs. Definitely nothing that invokes some sort of emotion yeah. for me. So that's just... Nothing to write home about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will definitely talk about the visuals, too. I mean, as for the music, the opening I thought was fine. It's not my favorite, even among Peggy's songs. I thought it's just all right. I liked the ending quite a bit. It was pretty catchy. But the visuals, the opening, it's, you know, decent, like, storyboarding and direction. I'm just using yeah. big words, pretending I know what they mean. <laughs> but It's fine. It, it's a I standard have, anime like, opening. I have, like, this didn't... specific gripe with it. I just think it's the tackiest, cheesiest thing. It's just that bit where he um, he sees Chizuru in the distance and like, oh no, oh, no, he like, Kazuya shows this look of determination, you know, and it clenches his fist or something and sees Chizuru and starts running after her. And then it pans out and shows him running in circles. And I'm just like, wow, so deep. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, it's so beating it's me over the head with it. I it's running around a Twitter retweet symbol. I know, and I was like, is there some meaning with, like, social media maybe tied to Mommy? No, I'm pretty sure it's just showing that he's running in circles, which he is, yeah. and it's frustrating. But, like, they showed it in such a tacky way. And now there's the ending, which... That sequence made me uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, so, so I'm, I'm glad you noticed uh, the whole thing, the entire ED is a euphemism for our main character... Uh, jerking himself and <laughs> i gotta give him props that's creative i think it's fitting of the anime oh absolutely and it's, like, it's exactly it, it's actually i think do. it's one of the like better done comedy things to be honest it's like it's very self-aware and it's amusing and it's like creative 
euphemism with like pretty cool fun visuals especially yeah. like when it just does the close-up on mommy's face and she's very <laughs> it's the unpleasant like angry face you don't see much yeah. um but then the end has like these weird close-up shots of every girl in the show like zooming in Cosplay. to kiss the camera or something which i think is pretty realistic because it's probably what kazi is thinking about before yeah. you see that scene of him throwing the tissue but it's into just the a, into it's, the it's just a little of other to me it's a little like too on the nose for like the self-insert wish fulfillments of this at times where it's like literally leaning into the camera it's like yeah. yeah but at the same time if somebody wanted if if it's like okay you have a minute and 30 seconds to explain to me what this show is i would just yeah. show them the ending sequence mm-hmm. mm. where most of like, it wow, the animation that's... is just uh him shaking a can and the four of them in the background cheerleading and that's kind of the whole story <laughs> and then there's the sequence when all of them are cosplaying oh yeah yeah, when they actually have to show all the rest of the credits for everybody else that worked on the show. I, I do want to touch a little back on the, the Ruka episode, ED, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I liked the song, from what I remember, and it was kind of a cool visual sequence. But I thought I, I liked it a lot. also just literally manga panels, if I'm not mistaken. It's just a slide yeah, of manga panels. And <clears throat> that reminds me of a point and the direction that really bugs me. I like started to really notice it, I want to say around episode 8 or 9, and, like, actually took screenshots to count. Just every moment in this anime, every scene, almost every frame, there's just little writing on the screen, little comments, you know, annotations to, like, share certain characters' thoughts, or sometimes even or little to bits of explanation. Yeah, and it's just, it is so overdone, and it starts to make me realize, like, are the characters just not emoting at all? Like, nothing can be inferred. It's all just told to you so directly. It's really... I think the one that got me the most for that was definitely in the karaoke scene, where literally the text was, Hey, do you remember this character from a couple oh, episodes ago? And, and Here's his name. He's that, back again. So that was and actually the episode that I was looking at it. And I thought that was actually kind of hilarious and self-aware. And I was like, okay, now they're mocking me. And in that same episode, it, like... It transitions by panning to Kazuya's fish and having them like think little things like, dude, what the hell? Or like, dude, you're a loser or something. And I'm like, okay, that's entertaining. That's cute. That's funny. But when, you know, Kazuya and Shizuru are having a conversation and at every reaction they have, there's a little writing next to their head showing how they really feel. It's like, do I need everything explained to me? I don't think I do. It's it's either the show thinking that all of its viewers are idiots or the no show being on that. unable no, to, <laughs> or the show being I'm the real to actually here. express emotions. I yeah, mean, we're all fools because we finished the show. <laughs> it's something called, um, maybe not quite, but it's kind of similar. It's similar to writer's cl- clairvoyance, where um, because they're not able to show it to you, um, which they should as a good writer, but because the series isn't able to show it to you, they have to narrate it to you. And so it's like the whole yeah. Jubei talking like, oh, like, see, Kazuya's actually a pretty good guy. That's actually a, like, that's a more clever form of writer clairvoyance because we never see Kazuya do those things up until that point. Like, we have no hint of it whatsoever. And so... Until um, he jumps off a boat to save her from drowning. So again, it's like a little, little, little too strong. Yeah. And so it's just like, so that's kind of similar with those little text marks with 
telling you how they should feel. Like, first of all, I should be able to tell from their facial expressions, if nothing else. And exactly. so, um, yeah. and so if you're telling it to me, that means you're using rider clairvoyance and you, you should technically never use rider clairvoyance for these sort of things. So yeah, it's yeah, the inverse of show don't tell it's telling yeah. more than it's showing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's all what right. made me realize that like, I don't know much about the source material, but that's when I realized that I have problems with the anime adaptation, even regardless of the source material's content or writing. Like there was just so oh, many. Oh yeah, if if, if any like, anime does that, it's a it's a problem. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to just be rentable. And so like that and the sound design just kind of like really killed the direction for me. Mm-hmm. Which then makes it go to like, why am I even watching this when I could read it instead? Because the 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 audio part of this audio visual experience is either not yeah. being adequately uh, portrayed, to be or fair, it's being done poorly. The voice cast is pretty good. Oh, I, it's very good. I can't really... Like, I know I like these Seiyu on paper, but I just can't enjoy them as these characters because I'm not enjoying the content at all. Yeah, it's it's interesting. They, they got four really big names for the four girls. I feel a little bad for... I can't remember off the top of my head who Sumi is, but she has, like... She basically says, like, four words, and aside from that, just squeaks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I think is a, is a huge waste of 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 voice actress potential um i part of the reason i like ruka though is because they got uh toyama now to be her voice and coming fresh off of uh the final season of oregairu i was just like uh i can't not hear yui and it's great so i was able to like turn my brain off a little bit and just yui like... deserves so much better than this show <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh... Now they're I know, crying. I think, Gracie, <laughs> How quickly I think, it if turns. I remember correctly, <laughs> if I remember correctly, you had a, uh, a comment that you really liked Aoyuki's performance in this show as mommy. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, Aoyuki kills every role she ever plays <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah. Like she's just she's just really really good, and she's one of the few female seiyus that I genuinely can't tell is her, which is very crazy because that means she's so diverse that I genuinely don't know. Well, even like as mommy alone, she displayed really great range just yeah, based no, on the face like- she put on. I listened to, so when the few times that Mommy has showed up, I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, her voice is so familiar, but I don't know who it is. And mm-hmm. then I found out it was Aoyuki, and I'm like, the fact that I've heard her so many times, and the closest I got to her was thinking her voice sounded familiar, tells you like how good she is at voice acting different characters. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just think she was excellent in that role. Is I mean, she's always been excellent, but I, I, I once again thought she stood out from the the rest of the cast because she's just, I don't know, she's brilliant. So, <laughs> I, I, I just did a, a quick Google search, and it's uh, Takahashi Rie is Sumi, which oh, <laughs> yeah, like, wasted potential. I, it's like I can't even tell because yeah, yeah, it like for for uh, Aoyuki, it was you know, it's it's oh man, I can't tell because it's such a good performance. And then for Takahashi, it's, I can't tell because her character doesn't speak enough for me to get a good sample size. <laughs> yeah. That is very sad. Voice acting is pretty good, though. Like, even even Kazuya is, you know, he gets his scumminess across very well. Oh, no, the um, voice actor does a good job for him. I, yeah. I feel bad, but, you know, he does do yeah, a good if, job. Yeah, if Kazuya was 
voiced by it just sounded like a handsome mature like well presented man i'd be really thrown off being like what but no he's he sounds the way he we all expect him to which is excellent again i i don't have that many problems with his character or how it's portrayed i mean the lack of development was an issue and then the way everything happens around him and everyone views him was an issue to me yeah that's the thing i think a lot of us I don't know, a general consensus is it's a very pretty looking show. Shame about the rest of it though. <laughs> I um I do I mean, overall I've already made clear that I really don't like this anime. It's quite upsetting that it performed so well on our charts. Um uh, <laughs> I like I'm not gonna uh, like that we can we can save all of the analysis about that for later I just don't like this anime and it was disappointing for me to see it perform well but even I'm like oh the character designs are really cute and also the clothes yeah the outfits are so cute the clothes were really cute like I would love to buy some of the clothes they wear and wear them so (laughs) are you listening are you listening production committee start (laughs) selling the clothes from the show I hope they're not listening. I have said nothing nice about the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's you're, true. You're blacklisted now. We're all blacklisted. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. No. Yeah, no. no, that's... I I, I'm not a, I am not a girl, and I know very little about... Uh, I mean, not I, I, you know, not that you couldn't tell from my voice, but... Um, and I'm not very well aware of fashion in general, whether it be women's or men's fashion, but I like a lot of the outfits that a lot of, that all the girls wear i think it's very very good um the guys they're supposed to be losers and they they dress the part but at least they're well put together losers like they're they don't wear stained clothes they wear stupid looking outfits they look comfortable that's true their their outfits are comfort motivated which was yeah. basically me in high school it's like, I don't care how I look. If it's comfy, it's good. And now that I've gotten into college and I'm yeah, aware that people judge me based on how I look, I put a little bit more effort. Uh, I'm, I'm still honestly very much a comfort person. <laughs> Unless it's, you know, I've got a purpose, like a job or a formal event. Yeah. Um, Man, getting a job means I have to wear long pants and not gym shorts. <laughs> I do like that the characters wore different outfits a lot, even there were relatively few episodes, but there's quite a variety in that, which isn't always the case. It usually is for slice of life, but sometimes you still see the main character in like the same shirt all the time. Yeah, it's nice to see the variety. It makes it makes you kind of think like, wow, is maybe is part of the reason why some shows are set in high school just so that like they're just like, all right, everyone's wearing the same uniform. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing is that like the setting here was college and Co- yeah, that felt like that is often so much more interesting to me because you have way more room than the traditional high school rom-com or what have you. And yet the characters very much acted like high schoolers to me. Yeah, it was, it was, we're in college and then they proceed to not do like any college-y things. They go to school, they get a part-time job, they go to the beach. Uh, yeah. We do All see those them walking on a campus with multiple Yeah, which buildings. is pretty impressive. That's better than the God of High School where they did not set foot on a high school ever. And I'm still <laughs> mad about that. <laughs> we got high school in a flashback, you know? Yeah. Um. So, I feel like we've... I don't know. Does anybody else have anything to say before I wrap it up with the, the last two questions that we've got? Well, I could probably go on for hours, but... 
I mean, good, good thing you mentioned that because we will be going on for hours in a separate. Oh, I hope not. Rent a girlfriend exclusive miniseries. Series. Uh, no, it's, it's like. A, it's an OVA. Like yeah, it's it's, a, it's an it's it's, a it's an OVA set. It's like three. We're gonna have like three other extra extra podcasty things that we're gonna do where we talk about. Oh, you're gonna have me sitting down for that many. This is yeah, news to me, well, folks. We've got. So I don't know if you can tell, dear listeners. But we have gripes and problems with this show, and we realized, and we've been pretty vague about it this whole time, because this is supposed to be a, you know, not-so-spoiler-intense thing. Uh, we have a lot of problems with the show, uh, and we have a lot of curiosities about what led it to be. So we're going to have some individual episodes concerning that. Uh, those will be extracurricular, not part of the required listening, uh, but look forward to that in the future. But... That was a bit of a tangent, but I do have two final questions. So before I get to those, uh, any other thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I've been a little all over the place with this discussion because, as you said, there's so much to be said. But, you know, I, I hope at the end of the day that I don't I don't mean to be like stern and, you know, no fun allowed downer and just say like, oh, this show wasn't high class, but it's not worth my time or whatever. Uh this show was very engaging, you know? I disliked it for the most part, but I was so, like, emotionally charged and active in my dislike for it that, like... Yeah. You know, we talked about the At good ratings I... for it and all that, but it's just such a good point of discussion, I guess. It, it's a hot topic in a way, and that even though a lot of people yeah. have negative things to say about it, I have to give credit that it elicits a lot of responses. It's uh, yeah, it... It's an interesting thing to talk about. At least you're not bored. Yeah. Sometimes I'd rather... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gracie, any final thoughts before I kind of move things along? No. Um, I'm just looking forward to talking more in depth about um, certain things. Uh, for example, we weren't able to go... Because um, I know all three of us have problems with the themes and... Um, that's a whole episode in itself. So I'm really excited yeah. to talk about that um, in particular. So um, so the listeners will know, like, we're not just purposefully, like, I, even though I still think our critiques stand regardless, um, the listeners will know it, go, it goes a little deeper than that in regards to our issues with the storytelling. Yeah. And maybe for all we know, by the end of, like, our miniseries, like we can't even blame the story, but blame it on something else. So it'll be interesting. And I'm really excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Dear listeners, don't think that anything that we've said here in tonight's or today's or whenever's this episode's uh, podcast has been, you know, just dancing around it. We mean everything that we've said, uh, but we have, we have extra stuff to explore the themes. Uh, and if you'll allow me to gently plug some of the, just as a, kind of an appetizer for what's to come for our future things. We're going to be talking about uh, the rental girlfriend industry in general, uh, because it's a cool premise. That's undeniable. Uh, and then other stuff like the just the, the reasons behind Kazuya's awful behavior and <laughs> concepts such as our, <laughs> your girlfriend is not a therapist. Um, <laughs> uh, and then lastly, and I know we talked about this for the story, we liked certain aspects of it. We commented on things that gave us hope. So 
is there a way to rewrite this show in a way that doesn't make the three of us cringe constantly? And that is basically like, I know that sounds kind of like, oh boy, it's a bad fan fiction episode, which it kind of is. Oh, it's going to be a really good um, fan fiction. Medi and I have we're, an amazing fan fiction yeah, we're, we're, idea. We're not spilling it, but we're ready to, we're ready to dunk on the original material with <laughs> incredible fan Now fiction. we just have to get good at drawing and then rename all the characters and publish our own manga. <laughs> the drawing, do, the drawing doesn't need fixing. We, we can, get the official I, just, I think he's talking they're... about copyright <laughs> yeah no we, we're we, we pitch it, it off, we, we pitch do. it as a side story or like an alternate thing oh, okay. spin-off there we go it's a spin-off it's an alternate exactly. universe perfect do not steal. all right oh, see. <laughs> don't steal yeah all right so with that i have two final questions for you uh one of which might require a little bit of thought and then the other one is i is, i expect it just be a yes or no answer first question do you think that all of our issues with Rent-A-Girlfriend are a source material issue or just a case of bad adaptation? Who's going first? <laughs> well, uh, Medi can go first. I think I straight up said earlier that it is absolutely a mix. I think the visuals are quite good, but that's a couple specific direction choices, namely you know, scribbles all over the screen in every frame really bugged me. And, you know, so many other things are absolutely the writing, which I assume is not very changed from the manga. Mm-hmm. All right, Gracie? For me, I think my gripes lay more with the source material, just just because um, as someone who does write in her spare time, when she has time, um, as someone who does do that, I tend to value the the story slash characters more. And um, like the soundtrack bothered me, yes. And like the weird scratching thing, like scratchy thing in the frames, yes. Those all definitely bothered me, but they're definitely not deal breakers to me. Deal breakers are what's inherently embedded into the stories and the characters. And so I ultimately think like my criticism are more heavily leaning towards the source material in this case. Yeah, I, I think it's probably a source material issue for me, mostly as the person that read the manga and all the problems that were in the manga show up again in the, in the anime, like the soundtrack is still bad, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, and I don't, I don't want to like, I don't want to be mean to like the composer because there were some bits that I genuinely enjoyed. I just think it was not a good match for the show. Those same tracks could have been transplanted into a different show. Yeah. And again, I think it's important to distinguish sound direction, which is like how you use the tracks and when doesn't necessarily fall on the composer. A lot of these pieces of music are pretty fine on their own. Um, but Yeah. It's like putting whipped cream on your salad as opposed to on your dessert. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I gave such a reaction to me, but I, like, tasted it in my mouth for a moment. Now I know how to torment you the next time we are allowed to have an IRL meetup. I'll just bring a can of whipped cream and we'll go out to dinner and I'll just put it on everything. I kind of want to try that. (laughs) I mean, whipped cream is pretty good. You'd have a hard time. Whipped cream's great. I can't wait to put it on my okonomiyaki. No! Anyway, so with all that said, since this is technically a review, I feel like we should leave some sort of general opinion if it hasn't been made obvious already. But should you watch Rent-A-Girlfriend if you haven't already? If you're curious about it, not sure, if you want somebody else's opinion, should you watch Rent-A-Girlfriend? 
am I going first this time? Okay. Um, my on my true to honest answer to that is no. Um, just because, um, I don't even find it entertaining. Like I know Medi says that you know at least he's not bored, but I'll be completely honest. I did get bored with the series. I started, um, playing like games while running the episodes sometimes I'll pause talk to someone and go back to it and basically didn't care that I had to pause and I'm someone who really likes to like watch anime episodes uninterrupted so um so for in my case it my answer is no just because I don't even think it becomes entertaining because at the end of the day it just becomes so cliche and predictable that there was just nothing really left there for me to say so I should clarify that I I did find the show itself plenty boring at certain points. When I say I was like engaged or entertained, I really mean more in just everything surrounding the existence of the show and just like here we are recording this podcast. And as you said, I would also pause oftentimes and that was specifically to go message someone like Gracie and just be like, oh my God, I can't stand this and <laughs> that. I'm so annoyed at this. And it's like, I was able to make, to get more out of the act of watching something that I didn't like or found boring otherwise, just because it was such a talked about topic that a lot of people liked, a lot of people didn't like, that I could just comment on it so much, if, if that makes sense. It's like the, there's that extra sense of social engagement, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends on what you're looking for. I'd say if you're planning on watching this with others and want to have something to talk about, yeah, watch it. Watch it well, with other people, and you can have conversations about it. You'll probably end up yelling at each other. <laughs> but this is a thing that you can watch. If you're just by yourself, all alone, being like, I'm going to watch a thing, don't watch this. Well, show. okay. that you know, I, I didn't get my answer to that quite yet. That is one way to take it. Um, so, do I like this? No, I, I honestly really dislike, dislike this anime. Uh, as for should you watch it, even on your own, in a weird way, I think, yes, at least start it. Because I think, especially if you've actually listened to everything we just said, I think it is really interesting to watch and then think about why people like it, why people don't like it, how you feel about it, and why. I think it can actually be a really interesting self-reflection exercise or just like anime critiquing exercise are we assigning this as homework now you sound sound like a teacher okay class i want you all to go home watch the first three episodes of rent a girlfriend and then i expect three paragraphs on it by friday i just think it's pretty fascinating that like there's a lot of anime or things out there that i'm like okay there's gonna be some people's cup of tea and it's not gonna be other people's cup of tea and yeah that still applies here but i'm so I'm invested on such a level of having issues with it that I think it's really interesting to see why those issues aren't issues for other people, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, this is a very, this is such a, a varied show that it, you're responsible there. I keep, I use the word very way too much. Watch the first couple episodes. If you're still unsure after this, and that'll give you a, that's a good litmus test. If you can't stand it after like episode one or two, don't watch the rest yeah. of it. And if you really like it and you think we're just a bunch of sourpusses, then, you know, enjoy yourself. I know I'm a sourpuss. Cool. 
I hope you're all ready for the future episode of this podcast that I'm going to railroad into the schedule that is just me talking about how much I enjoy Rail Romanesque. <laughs> well, that'll be great, yeah. I, th- I think after well, this and that other anime we talked about, James, people might be missing, yeah. uh, you know, us saying, us, talking uh, us about enjoying anime. <laughs> like, Imagine liking anime. That's why I did a whole right. tangent. <laughs> so with that, thank you very much for joining us this fine, I'm not going to screw it up this time, this fine episode uh, of the Anime Trending Podcast. We'd like to thank you all for listening. We'll hope you'll join us in the future. Uh... Goodbye? Bye, everyone! Goodbye. Bye.